When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. One, two, three. In previous episodes, we've celebrated the best songwriting partnerships of all time. Elton and Bernie, John and Paul, Mick and Keith, Jerry and Robert. But in this episode, we want to take a look at the best duos, the pair of singers and performers that together had a bond and a chemistry that was magic and was greater than the sum of the parts. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart people, we're going to come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what is the greatest music duo of all time? That's the age-old question. Picking great duos as performers is maybe even more expansive than picking great songwriting partnerships, right? Because there's just more of them. Yeah. And there are some obvious ones. And we could start with husband and wife pairings, right? Like, I mean, there's a whole episode of husband and wife pairings. Yeah. Sonny and Cher, Ike and Tina, John and Yoko, yeah. Beyonce and Jay-Z, Johnny and June. We got married in a fever. And as great as those pairings are, I wouldn't put them among the greatest duos of all time. I've got three nominees for best duo, Clint. Okay. Can I start with my first? Hit me. Don and Phil Everly, better known as the Everly Brothers. Their first hit was in 1957, and it was Bye Bye Love. It hit number one in the spring of that year. Bye Bye Love, Bye Bye Happiness, Hello Loneliness, I think I'm gonna cry. Other hits included songs like Wake Up Little Susie. Wake up, little Susie, wake up. All I have to do is dream. Dream, 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 dream. Rolling Stone magazine picked them as the best duo of all time in their ranking from 2015. So what made them so special? Well, for me personally, and I think for you, Clint, as two people who come back again and again to the genius of the Beatles, one place to start is their influence on John and Paul. Yeah. They were one of the very first acts that influenced people like me. 
along with Elvis, Little Richard, Chuck Berry. Um, the Everly's were a very special thing. I think it's where the Beatles got the two, two people in harmony thing. John and I were the Everly's, really, mm. when we started up. A lot of people, um, most people when they start up, I think they imitate someone. Uh, and we did. And one of our imitations really was the Everly's. Well, it doesn't get any bigger than that. <laughs> one of the great fly on the wall moments of the Beatles Get Back documentary was when the Beatles are playing the song Two of Us. And it's a song that really epitomizes the incredible harmony blend between John and Paul. And at one point, Paul says to John, Take it, Phil. They're still pretending to be the Everly Brothers. Right. But back to the Everly Brothers. Some suggest that their magic resides in something called blood harmony. Blood harmony is not a dark Coen Brothers movie about singers. <laughs> Yet. We should write that. In a world, one man bangs his head on the piano so that he can play by ear from the filmmakers of Blood Simple and Fargo. Blood Harmony. <laughs> yes, that sounds amazing. Blood Harmony refers to the blend between voices that is so pure and so innate, only possible because they're relatives. A couple examples of stunning Blood Harmony. Do you know the duo Larkin and Poe? I love these sisters, and the name of their most recent album happens to be Blood Harmony. Well, the sun is surely sinking down. But the moon is slowly rising So this old world must still be spinning round And I still love you So close your eyes You can close your eyes It's alright Unbelievable Go down the YouTube rabbit hole of Larkin Poe and listen to their music. Another pair of sisters, Lennon and Maisie. This is their cover version of the Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero song, That's What's Up. As you listen to this, keep in mind that at the time of this recording, Maisie is 11 and Lennon is 15. I'll be the church, you'll be the steeple. I'll be the king, I'll be the people. Well, I was feeling Eleven and fifteen. I mean, I we're both parents. 
Have you had the pleasure of having your kids sing together yet? We haven't sung in harmony yet. I know you guys have. Yeah, I we got to play a track of my boys and their blood harmony. It's a Christmas star. And check out verse three of that tune. Check this out. You hope, you dream, you want what is best for you. It comes along and you never guessed that you would have someone to share, someone to care for. I mean, those two kids, they could do it. The problem is they they fight all the time and they won't be in the same room. But at some point, I'm hoping for that blood harmony to flourish well, in the Well, it's interesting household. that both of the examples I used were sisters. Well, yes. Phil and Don are brothers, obviously. And the Wilson brothers and the Beach Boys are, you know, that's another example of blood harmony. Well, the Jacksons, the Bee Gees, a lot of these and the Everleys, they're parents got them going early on right and i know in the case of don and phil they sang very early on their dad's radio show and so they were like the everly family singers or something they were pushed and the beach boys were pushed by their father and the jacksons were pushed by their father so the everly brothers weren't the only ones but given their place in the early formation of rock and roll they were Maybe the most important ones. And it wasn't just the Beatles. Graham Nash, one third of Crosby, Stills and Nash, a band that knows a thing or two about harmonies, said that hearing Bye Bye Love at a school dance when he was 15 years old had a massive impact on his life. He told NPR once, ever since that day, I decided that whatever music I was going to make in the future, I wanted it to affect people in the same way that the Everly Brothers music affected me on that Saturday night. Through the voice, right? It's through the voice. Through the voice. And that's when we talk about duos, it's always, we're not talking about the Black Crows here. Right. We're talking about duos where they're both singing. That's a really important point. Yeah. I hadn't even thought to to make that distinction, but you're right. That is an important one. I think that this whole episode is based on vocals. Yes. The blood is a major part of this entire equation. And when you watch the Everly Brothers sing live they're just looking at each other and they're watching their mouths and they're so pitch perfect those guys i just watched them live at royal albert hall they are so deadly deadly accurate in their vocals and they're looking at each other can you imagine two year kids looking at each other while they're singing <laughs> i mean i can't fathom that like let's listen to that albert hall show yeah i i've listened to 45 minutes of it. i couldn't turn it off absolutely stunning vocals all right so we started with blood harmony and everly brothers do you have a nominee best duo i i do and i'm gonna take it directly segued from the everly brothers check this out my nominee for the first one is robert plant and allison krauss oh and they do a version of the Everly Brothers Gone, Gone, Gone. And I just absolutely love that song so much. Some sunny day, baby, when everything seems okay, baby, you wake up and find that you're alone. Cause I'll be gone. Gone, 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 gone,
We're talking about two massive rock stars here, Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin, Alison Krauss from Bluegrass fame and Union Station fame. And it's such an unlikely pairing, right? Like, how did this rock god and this bluegrass soft, perfect singer get together? Well, it's, it's actually interesting that they, they first met at a Cleveland, Ohio, Lead Belly tribute gig. And they were both there to sing. And they just started talking backstage about a bluegrass artist called Ralph Stanley. And so they just got into this conversation. And Robert Plant had heard of Alison Krauss because he, he had first heard her. He was outside a pub. And he remembers hearing it and then hearing her name. And he wrote it down. And he said, who the hell was that? Wow. And so he had always kept it in the back of his mind. But when they finally did get together, they got T-Bone Burnett, who is, you know, record producer extraordinaire. <laughs> Who's stuff. produced some of our favorite records. I mean, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? August and Everything After. August and everything. He actually helped start the career of yeah. Counting Crows, Los Lobos, Gillian Welsh. He also revitalized the career of Greg Allman. And Roy Orbison, so he's he's like a he's like a Rick Rubin type. He's just right. a, a masterful producer. They released Raising Sand in 2007, and Raising Sand was the first record. It won Grammy after Grammy. I think it won all the Grammys it was nominated for, like five Grammys: Song of the Year, Record of the Year, Album of the Year. Killing the Blues is a song off Raising Sand, which pretty much epitomizes the vocal blend of these two seemingly disparate voice legends but the softness and the emotion in their voice in the song killing the blues really tears me up check it out leaves were falling just like Three weeks just over and over i think it's 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 as much their voices as it is the production of those records so i'm a big t-bone for that fan there's something about those two voices together you're right allison krauss is so sweet and songbird like and then robert plant's voice is so so powerful and yet they the blend is really special yeah because i think they learned a lot from each other yeah and she is just an expert at matching syllables and i think the through line of this entire episode is that when you see people sing together these duos when you are looking at the mouth of the other person singing it's amazing how much more accurate you can be phil and don Allison and Robert, you see them on stage, they're constantly looking at each other's mouths because the whole point of the duo is precision. And so it's when do you breathe? When does the syllable cut off? When does the when do you hold it and break? Right? That's the whole thing. That's a perfect lead in to my next choice. Okay. Gillian Welch and David Rawlings. If you want a masterclass in two people coming together to offer a magical 
haunting, effortless blend. Listen to Gillian Welch's album from 2001 called Time, The Revelator. It's Gillian on acoustic guitar and banjo and David Rawlings acoustic guitar and the two voices. Here's a highlight from that album. Yeah. That's so awesome because they left bark on the tree. It's not perfect. It's not like music now. It's 2001, you said? 2001. It's live and it's imperfect and it's perfect for that reason. You can tell when you hear it that they're playing together, looking at each other. That's well, music. It, it's exactly what you just said of, of duos that look at each other and, and they're, they're playing off of one another. It's amazing. All right, so my next, I'm going to give you a twofer. There's a lot of country duos, and I feel like the duo in country music is like a play by a record executive to take this great person who might not be great enough on their own and this great person who might not be great enough on their own, but together, let's put these guys together or this girl and this guy or these girls together and let's make some money. That's what it feels like. I have no idea if that's the case. Right. But that's like my, my cynical brain about the music industry. The first one I want to talk about is Brooks and Dunn, consisting of Kix Brooks and Ronnie Dunn, both vocalists, both songwriters, again, solo artists, got together 1990 in Nashville. They went on to record 11 studio albums, one Christmas album, five compilation albums, and they released 50 singles, of which 20 went to number one on the hot country chart. 20 19, out of 50. 19 more reached the top 10. 39 out of 50, 50 reached the top 10. It doesn't even make sense with 20 number one hits. And their 1992 single, which is probably the one that most people would know, Boot, Scoot, and Boogie, it actually helped revitalize line dancing as an industry in the United States. Out in the country past the city limit sign Where there's a honky-tonk near the county line The joint starts jumping every night when the sun goes down They got whiskey, women, music and smoke It's where all the cowboy folk go to boot boogie I will say, I went to Nashville to line dance one time And it was some of the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. It was at the Wild Horse Saloon, and there were like 20 of us. And it is so fun, Rich. You, If you've never line danced, if you're listening, don't knock it till you try it. Get out there and try some line dancing. It is so fun. Anyone can do it, and you get so into it, and you're drinking cheap beer and a cowboy hat with cowboy boots on. It's so fun. Boots scooting boogie. Yeah. I mean, you've heard the song, because it was the 90s country is just humongous. Written by Ronnie Dunn. So it wasn't some Nashville songwriter who gave him that right. song. I think they both wrote the hits. I think they both were the main songwriters. Now, the second duo I want to talk about real fast 
is Big and Rich. Big Kenny and John Rich. Rich was the bass guitarist in the country band Lone Star. Big Kenny was a solo artist for Hollywood Records. When they got together, man, oh man. Let's hear their biggest hit of all time, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Everybody says, save a horse, ride They went on to have a bunch, a bunch of hits. Let's not move on. We have to talk about Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy for a second. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> because that to me, you know, you and I have... You and I have many, many times been sitting around and said something that sounds like it should be the, the, the title of a country song, right? I have a whole notes section in my phone of country songs. I, I just imagine that they were sitting around at a party and someone's like, you know, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Wait, and wait what, what'd you say? Wait, what'd you let say? Me write, let me write that down, man. Hey, Big Kenny, get your notepad. <laughs> get your guitar, boy. <laughs> We're going to ride this song right now. And it's got some great lines in. Took her out gigging frogs, introduced her to my old bird dog, sang her every Willie Nelson song I could think of, and we made love. I mean, come on. Sang her every Willie Nelson song I could think of. That is a great line. So I took her out gigging frogs, introduced her to my old bird dog, sang her every Willie Nelson song I could think of, and we made love. Interesting to think of the country aspect of this. That is interesting. All right, I'm ready to give you my pick for the best duo. Hit me. It has to be Simon and Garfunkel. Has to be Simon and Garfunkel. If John and Paul had modeled themselves after the Everly Brothers, Paul and Artie definitely did. Here's a clip from Paul Simon's audiobook with Malcolm Gladwell. Did it take you a while after you broke up with... Garfunkel to kind of find your voice because you were so part of this unit. Didn't your mother tell you once she liked his voice better than... Yeah, it was my mother. <laughs> One of my mother's statements that she said, you have a nice voice, Paul, but Arthur has a fine voice. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Parsley, sage, rosemary, so I guess you can see how long that sentence has lived in my mind. As kids, when Paul and Artie got together, they practiced for hours, trying to blend their voices, synchronizing their breath, watching each other's lips align so they could hold each syllable for the same amount of time. There it is. That's what you're talking about, Clint. They're great tutors with the Everly Brothers. I will wash all your clothes I will scrub all your floors If that will get my baby out of jail Once we heard the Everly Brothers, we sang with the above harmony, Artie singing the above harmony because he had the higher voice. Are there other things you took specifically from their harmony, like techniques they'd used? Oh, we, everything. Okay. You could uh, you could play their Bye Bye Love and you could play Simon and Garfunkel's Bye Bye Love. Back to back, hear how close we, you know, we came. We, 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 we listened over and over again to imitate them. Rather than analyze their music, Clint, I just want to celebrate a few of their moments of just incredible duo harmonies. Yes. This is the first harmony song that I learned how to perform. 
Sound of Silence. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. How about the boxer? When I left my home and my family, I was no more than a boy in the company of strangers in the quiet of the railway station, running scared. Seeking out the poor quarters where the ragged people go, looking for the places only they would know. How about the last verse of Bridge Over Troubled Water? Nothing has ever gotten me more than the last, when the bass comes in, the last verse of Bridge Over Troubled Water. Bring me to tears in two seconds. Sail on, silver girl Sail on, my It's perfection. It's perfection. Sail on, silver. So that's what I got. I think best duo ever. I think that's very, very hard to argue with. See how they shine Peter Day and I, my bandmate, did a Simon Garfunkel one night. We did a, a whole tribute with Russ Lawton. And uh, we we learned all the harms and all the, the nuance of their what they did. And they were so good at it. Again, it's the it's the it's the perfection of the breath and the phrasing and the accuracy of their voices was just incredible. And Art's voice was fine. It was fine. That's my pick. What's your pick for best duo? My pick for best duo is, well, before I say this, listen to this. I went through that list, Rolling Stones, top 20. I don't even think they were on the list. My choice for the greatest duo of all time is Daryl Hall and John Oates. Now, here's some facts that you didn't know and I didn't know about Hall and Oates. First of all, the band is not called Hall and Oates. Never in the history of their careers were they Hall and Oates. Daryl Hall and John Oates is the name of the band. They don't even they don't even like Hall and Oates. However, in 2017, they did sue a company for uh, uh, like a transportation company that moved Oates Hall and Oates. It was Hall and Oates. H a u l i n apostrophe Oates. And uh, they did sue them. I don't know what the company did. We're hauling oats over here. But these guys have to be the most successful commercially of the duos. Daryl Hall was the the good-looking frontman singer, uh, and John Oates was the 
electric guitar playing background vocal sort of weird looking dude the way their band formed is fascinating so they were both in different bands their first meeting was at the adelphi ballroom in philadelphia in 1967 so at the time they met each was heading his own musical group so hall had the temp tones and oats had the masters and they were there for a band competition and they're there and all of a sudden gunfire rings out in the place and these rival gangs started beefing right there so they both take off and they end up in a service elevator together and they're both sitting there and they're scared and they start talking turns out they both go to temple temple university not not uh synagogue correct temple university and they became friends they moved in together, and it wasn't until a few years later that they actually got their duo together and started writing songs. Let's just for a second hear what they did. So they reached the U.S. Top 40 with 29 of their 33 singles charting on Billboard's Hot 100 between 1974 and 1991. 29 of their 33 singles reached the Top 40, and six of these were number one hits. Songs like Rich Girl. Rich Private eyes. I can't go for that. And their biggest number one hit, Man Eater. Overall, they had so many top tens. She's Gone, Sarah Smile, You Make My Dreams. Seven of their albums have been certified platinum, six of them gold. I mean, that is an absolute just crushing career. God, they must be sitting on on just a pile of money. A pile of money. Oh, my Lord. It took them a few albums to get going. They didn't find success right off the bat. It wasn't until they took over their own production. They were just pawns of the record label doing what they were told. And eventually they were like, you got to let us do our thing. So they put a band together and their guitarist was none other than G.E. Smith, who was the head of the Saturday Night Live band for years, all the years that I was growing up. It was always G.E. Smith and the Saturday Night Live band. Yeah. Right? G.E. Smith and the Saturday Night Live band. And so he was there touring and recording guitarist for that whole period during all those hits. Interesting. Um, and they had the same bass player, same drummer. They put the band together. They went into the studio, took over production. I think it was their third record that actually got them their first charting success. But eventually they just crushed the airwaves. And certainly while we were growing up, they were just a staple of radio from the time we were could listen to music until we went to college. I mean, they were always, always on the radio. You forget almost with this much distance just how big they were in the 1980s. It's amazing. They were huge. I got to open up for John Oates one time in Ohio, and he was the sweetest man, just like super, super nice. Anyway, big fan of John Oates. But interesting that, that that's not the name of the band. I know. Isn't that fascinating? And they 
didn't want that as their band name. I think they consciously said that's not what we want our band name to be. And right. Like, no, it's like the Eagles, right? Right. It's not the Eagles. It's, it's just Eagles, Eagles right. but everyone calls them the Eagles. So they are my choice for the greatest duo of all time. All right. Well, that it's a good one. I'm, I think that's going to be slightly controversial with our listeners. I love it. Bring it on. Bring it on. Speaking of listeners, let's go to the comments before we end this episode. Love it. Let's go to the comments. I heard from my sister, Clint, following our episode on The Greatest Outliers. Remember this one when we yeah. talked about the songs that became hit songs that actually sounded nothing like the rest of the band's catalog? Our pick as the greatest example of a hit that was a total outlier was Extremes More Than Words. My sister called and pointed out that from her perspective, the song was about a guy saying, I don't really care about words. If you want to show me you love me, you need to put out. We started talking about this and I just hadn't thought about it in those terms. I hadn't either. I interpreted more like talk is cheap. We show people we love them through our actions, right? Right. Actions speak louder than words. And that got us talking about how gender bias, or more broadly, how our own life experiences can really inform how we hear, interpret, and ultimately enjoy or not a given song. Worthy of its own episode, maybe. But thanks to my sister for that interesting provocation. And honestly, that is the whole reason we do this podcast, right? It's to spark these conversations with you, the listener, and your partner or your friend or your son or daughter, right? It's it's about the ongoing conversation. That is an amazing thing that I would have never even thought of. Totally. Wow. All right. Love that. Here's a comment from Olaf. He writes, hey, you guys, want to hear a fact that blew my mind and I'll bet you'll enjoy? Yes. As you probably know. Steve Jobs was also obsessed with the Beatles and named his computer company after the, the Beatles record label, named Apple, of course. But did you know that the chord played on starting up a Mac is the same chord that ends Sgt. Pepper's? Like the big piano chord at the end of the, in life? So this is fascinating. I looked it up. Olaf is right. Here's a very old CNBC segment interviewing Jim Reeks, who, as a sound engineer for Apple in the early 1980s, designed the iconic startup sound. And yes, he says it was a nod to the Beatles. Listen to this. This was the keyboard I used to record the Mac startup sound. I built the sound and I gave it to him and I said, put this in there. And I did it really late in the project so that it wouldn't go through many review cycles. There's a little bit of an influence from the big final chord in Beatles' Day in the Life. Years later, it became a signature sound for Apple. They even trademarked it. There's a few, like the Intel sound is a famous one, NBC's sound. Kind of silly, right? I'm playing a C major chord and it's famous and it's a copyright. 
funny that you can actually copyright a chord. Wow. It blew my mind. Finally, from Dave on Facebook, he provided a list of some really great ideas for age-old questions. Want to hear a few? Yeah. Greatest scream in rock. Oh my Lord, that's so... He suggests Roger Daltrey's Won't Get Fooled Again, Mm -hmm. Springsteen in Jungle Land, and Bobby Weir in... One More Saturday Night. One More Saturday Night. Yeah. Another suggestion from Dave, greatest backup singer in rock, Mm. The Edge from U2. Oh, that's a great idea. These are all such great ideas. I think we need to do these, Clint. I do too. That, That just inspired me. Do we have time for some Mondegreens? Oh, we always have time for a good Mondegreen. So I got a call yesterday from Greg Naughton, who's my bandmate in The Sweet Remains, his daughter, Charlotte. And I love it. Kids listen to this, this podcast and, and she's like, hey, Uncle Rich, there's a song that you should include in your Mondegreens series. It's Eminem and Rihanna. And the song is talking about being friends with monsters under the bed. Yeah. She was convinced that Rihanna was singing about mustard under the bed. Let's listen. I'm friends with the monster, the son of my bed. I'm friends friends with with the monster, the son of my bed. (laughs) Grey Poupon. That is perfect. Oh, thank you, Charlotte. (laughs) Thank you, Charlotte. Wow. That's great. So keep these comments coming. We absolutely love them. We hope you had fun. As much fun as we did. And we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at The Age Old Question. Facebook, The Age Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.